0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the club that you didn't want to join. We're the voice of red disease, and this jingle doesn't rhyme. Nord Pod, Nord Pod, Nord Pod. From Offscript Media, this is Matthew Zachary, and welcome to episode seven of Nordpod, the voice of rare disease. Today's show was all about one patient's story navigating the world of rare disease. You know the club you didn't ask to join, but somehow once you're here, you're kind of family. Sarah Hill had a life interrupted at a very young age, after being fabulously misdiagnosed and not taken seriously for years. At the tender age of 16, all of the dots finally connected, and she was correctly diagnosed with having Wolfram syndrome. This one's a heavy hitter, folks. Wolfram is a rare autosomal recessive genetic disorder that causes childhood onset diabetes insipidus, diabetes mellitus, optic atrophy, deafness, and various other possible disorders. While I was working at Stupid Cancer, we represented millions of adolescents and young adults facing cancer, and we'd often say, isn't it hard enough to be well when you're in your teens and twenties, let alone slapped with a life changing health condition that you didn't ask for? Yeah, well, that's this. Prepare to be inspired. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Hill. Sarah Hill, thank you so much for coming on NordPod to share your story. For those that know my story, I felt echoes of my past in hearing you describe what you had gone through at such a young age. And I will frame the narrative of this entire show through this lens. The lens is, isn't it hard enough to be a teenager when you're well, let alone throwing all this crap on you that you didn't ask for. And with that, Let's learn about how you found out that you had Wolfram syndrome.
1: So relatable. Um, Thank you for having me here. I'm very excited. So I didn't find out I had Wolfram syndrome until I was 13. Actually, until I was 16, excuse me. But I guess the thing about when I was 13 is that was when I, I thought I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. My parents found out the full diagnosis at that time when they were told I have this rare disease called Wolfram syndrome. So at the time, I was diagnosed with diabetes mellitus, so not type 1 or type 2, but something closer to type 1 than type 2, and then I was diagnosed with diabetes insipidus at the same time. So they could finally tell us why I had always had all these bladder problems that they told me it was just a part of like delayed growing up. And then so when I finally found out about the whole rare disease diagnosis, I learned that was why I also had vision problems. I'd had optic atrophy from a very young age. So it was very fun, Um, jokingly, um, (laughs) every year. I would fail those eye exams. So it was like going into a test and knowing you are completely unprepared and there's nothing you can do about it. So eventually I got excused from those. And honestly, when I found out I had a rare disease, I was somewhat relieved because I no longer had to stress out and worry about what I would be diagnosed with next. Obviously, there was a little bit of anxiety that went with it, since now I could actually look it up on this great thing we have with the internet where all the scary stuff is. So I could see basically all the research they had on basically the worst cases of it. But at the same time, it was also great because not great for my parents when they first found out, but great when they told me because they'd gone through the anxiety and all the difficulty of actually finding the, the rare disease community for Wolfram syndrome and the trials that they had going on.
0: Our listeners can't tell, but I'm nodding my head on the radio. And the reason I'm nodding my head incessantly on the radio is because looking back at everything you've just said, barely scratches the surface of where everyone feels they weren't taken seriously. And again, just channeling my own diagnosis of brain cancer at 21, I went misdiagnosed for a very long time. And just like you said, it's like, oh, thank God it's something. It just validated that you were right all along. I do want to go back in time a little bit because in the interest of you kind of starting from the finish line of finally figuring out that you were diagnosed, your father's a doctor. And you had symptoms at yeah. a very early age and even still navigating the what is this? What was that like for you just growing up through adolescence?
1: I think um, I don't I think I don't love to look back on it because it was definitely a lot of uncertainty and a lot of feeling like I didn't fit in with other kids. Obviously, growing up with bladder problems was definitely not fun. And I think that was definitely, I think, the biggest thing. And then once I got diagnosed with diabetes, it was sort of this slight life changing moment where I was just like, "Okay, I have all these things, but there's nothing I can do about it. So I may as well just accept it and try to control it rather than have it control me and just continue to go about my life.
0: You mentioned briefly before, and we can dive into this specific issue right now, is how you happened upon finding the tribe, the Wolfram community, and this was when the internet does something right. We always like to point out when the internet actually helps people in moments of need and crisis, and I think when we spoke last week before this taping, we discussed how there really is no welcome to Wolfram syndrome brochure. That this, yeah. this, 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 you're like cast away into this netherworld of not knowing anything. And yet you were lucky enough to have a doctor, finally, an endocrinologist who connected those dots for you and the internet that your father and your family found. I think you, you, you specifically called it your extended unknown family. What was it like to finally not feel alone?
1: I think that I think was like the best feeling, um to finally have people who related so much to like what I had gone through even I'm still like even amazed by it today like every now and again um I know like at one of the um clinics or like where we all gather and it's really like a week of testing so I sort of Doing those, I sort of feel like a science experiment, but it's also nice because I'm surrounded by other kids who are going through the same thing. Like I've bonded with people um, by talking about like the bladder problems that I have and how we all manage it. Um, so it's just these cool things that you just can't talk about. Are you? There's some stigma against talking about to like just regular friends. It's, I guess, somewhat sad when you're connected to people because of this unfortunate thing. But it also definitely brings you closer together because you do want to share like the successes and happy things that you have, as well as the challenges that you're all going through. To
0: let our listeners know, uh, you can Google this, but Wolfram is a rare autosomal recessive genetic disorder, I'm reading this verbatim in case you can't tell, that causes childhood onset diabetes, insipidus, diabetes mellitus, I think that's the right pronunciation, optic atrophy, which I think you referred to as your vision problems, deafness, that's a lot on your plate. Can you walk us through a day in the life of how do you live with and manage these these uh these, these chronic situations?
1: Yeah. So I'm lucky I don't have hearing loss or deafness um at least yet since it's also a progressive disease. So fingers crossed about that one. But I guess the big thing that's different for me from just other kids I guess without diabetes is that a lot of my day is spent monitoring my blood sugar, um checking what it is before I eat and making sure I bolus correctly for food or give myself insulin for food. And I'm lucky because of just advancing technology in general. So I have um, an insulin pump and a, like a sensor. So it constantly is sensing what my blood sugar is. So also if you hear something beep during this, it's probably my insulin pump.
0: So you're part robotic, basically
1: yeah basically
0: is this the, is that the latest tech like like is it part of like an app on your phone or that beeps and tells you different things? can you like can other people monitor like if, if you're busy at a party or something and like your mommy or your dad or yeah, some like, think, like I, hey, drink some apple juice
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there there is a way to set that up. um I don't have it set up currently because I don't feel like constantly having my parents watch over me. Bravo, Bravo yeah. So I guess that's an example of, yes, I have a rare disease, but I still want to function like a normal teenager or normal adult. So then I guess for the diabetes insipidus part, a lot of my day is spent going to the bathroom, but I feel like I'm just used to that. So I do take meds for that too, um, which do help. They definitely help a lot. If I didn't take bladder meds, I could not function like a normal human being.
0: I have, I have many friends. I have many friends that were born type one, and some that developed type one mm-hmm. early in life. And you know, you, you mentioned like it was like type one and a half or something. <laughs> like we can make metaphors up. Yeah. But in the interest of stigma, specifically around the the idea of type one, has anyone ever said to you, "Oh, just eat better," not knowing that that's type two?
1: Yeah. No one has said that to me besides like our insurance. Has sent something that's like here is what you can do oh god um yeah which is pretty funny because obviously they're trying to save money um
0: <laughs> yes so let's talk about your social life i, I think you're, 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 how old are you right now
1: i'm 21 right now right
0: so you've been enduring this throughout your entire adolescence you know nothing other than this yeah. How has it been in terms of judgment? As we had, I mean, let me dovetail that. We had spoken last week about the the model I've seen in pediatric cancer, which is you find yourself maturing much more quickly than your peers, and yeah. you know they, we talk about smell the flowers and appreciate things, but it does give you a bit of a grounding anchor of mortality that you wouldn't normally have if you didn't have the situation. How has living with this? I mean. Minimally since thirteen in high school, now through th- through college, mm-hmm. how has that affected your perceptions of what's important and your social interactions with your current peers?
1: Okay. so I think I think I'm definitely I think I definitely like just value life more than I would otherwise. The scary thing about Wolfram syndrome when you look it up is that it says the life expectancy is thirty years, which, we hope is not accurate. So definitely like whenever I don't feel well, I get worried about like, oh, no, I really should be like valuing my life more. And like, what if I don't have this time that other people think they have? And then I think like socially, I'm definitely very introverted naturally. But I think The rare disease can definitely add to the difficulty being social, because obviously, like when my bladder meds are wearing off at night, obviously, I don't want to be social then it's not fun to be out and to be like going to the bathroom every five minutes. And then I think I've always just been like, okay, I have like diabetes, but that's sort of something that people are used to seeing. So I can be social and check my blood sugar and stuff. But I think it can be difficult to socialize while also having these background thoughts of, okay, how is the rare disease right now? Is it progressing? How is my blood sugar? Am I feeling okay? Um, so it can be overwhelming, but I think the biggest like thing that I found is that actually having friends that I do tell and I am straightforward with, and I'm like, okay, I have a rare disease and this is how it affects me. Once I do that, it's a lot easier to be comfortable with them and to enjoy myself when I'm being social
0: back with our guest after the break man that sunset is gorgeous grill patio sunset hard to get better than that unless you're browsing carvana's inventory while you soak it all in oh burger time so sit back get comfortable carvana's got thousands of cars under twenty thousand dollars just waiting for you i could stay here forever carvana where car buying meets comfort meets convenience Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
1: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
0: Sarah, you touched on some very, very serious tones uh, in the last segment, and I'd like to focus on the mental health. Again, the parallels to, you know, I was given six months to live at 21. I didn't know if I'd live to 30. You were reading a stat that says 30 is the life expectancy. Is that just a number? And how do you, how do you mitigate that every day, balancing out the people that don't judge you with when reality sets in at three in the morning?
1: Yeah. So I think, I think that's a sort of a big question. I think mental health can be a struggle for anyone. Like even if you don't have a rare disease, so having a rare disease on top of just being a teenager and dealing with everything else emotionally that you deal with is can definitely be challenging. I think my own mental health has not always been in the best place, but I think right now I am happy because it is in a good place. And I think mental health is one of those things that I have tried to advocate for. Like I have, I have gone to therapy. Um, that's always great. Being able to talk about these things and rationalize them out. And honestly, I forgot where I was going with the rest of this.
0: See, that's, that's um, the perfect thing. Like, you know, you're allowed to, you're just, you're, you're be 21 Just forget things. Like, <laughs> let's be normal for just a minute. What does normal even mean? Right. That's the, yeah. That's the beauty of just being human is accepting that, you know, things are going to happen. And you know what? Forgetting something is a good problem to have because it means you're alive to forget it. Exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about life hacks. And to me, that's a really important thing because when you meet people who know what you're going through, who understand what you're going through, and who've already been in that club before you joined Mm -hmm. it unwillingly, what have you learned to adapt in your life based on teachings from your peers?
1: I think that's a very interesting question because... Wolfram syndrome is such a spectrum. So, I'm lucky because I'm not as like badly affected by it as some people are. But I'm trying to think I think one of the big like I don't know if it's really a life hack or maybe more like a life lesson is that like having this rare disease is not something that I should be embarrassed about. Like, yes, it can affect me in these embarrassing ways sometimes, but like, that's not my fault. It's just something I have and that I have to deal with. I think the diabetic community as well helped me with this life hack because I haven't always had like an insulin pump or a sensor. And they were the ones who were really like, yes, this is something you should get and this will improve your life so much. Um, And it really has. So I think I think those are the big ones.
0: I think that's fantastic. There are no wrong answers here by the way. This is all good stuff.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: So let's talk about what you're doing now. You're in college, you're living your life, you're moving forward. You are learning advocacy, a word that is yes. sort of a born of born of convention, not occurring to you. You didn't you didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be an advocate bad things happen to good people and then you become an advocate to make bad things that happen to good people stink a little less for the next person. How have you woven in advocacy into your scholarship, into your work? Like what, what, forget 30, it's just a number. What do you want to do with your life now that you have this incredible perspective, incredible support and incredible community behind you?
1: Yeah, I think that's a very cool question. Um, I've definitely thought about that a bit, um, I think going off of advocacy, I think I've always sort of considered myself an environmental advocate. So that was originally the lens that I came at advocacy through. And obviously, it was a little more comfortable at first, of course, because at first, I didn't know what a rare disease was. At first, when I was diagnosed with a rare disease, I really wasn't comfortable telling people I have one. But then... I did get to the point where I was comfortable telling them and really speaking up for myself and for other people who have a rare disease that we should also be advocating for. So I think, honestly, the coolest experience advocating I think I have had was at my own college at UConn. I'm a senator on the undergraduate student government, and I just decided last. Semester before COVID happened that Rare Disease Day was coming up and I wanted to write something, write some legislation for that. And so it led up to this big moment of advocacy where I told this whole room full of people who were also on the undergraduate student government, my whole rare disease story. And that was the first time that I would told a room full of people. So the support and the response that came after that was the most rewarding experience with advocacy I have had. And I definitely want to continue advocacy going forward. Um, It's definitely become a passion of mine. Um, Just yesterday, um, I talked to one of the, to like a staff person for one of the representatives for Connecticut. And it was very cool. I emailed him afterwards to send him something that I had been like advocating for. And he emailed me back and was like, thank you so much. I'll keep you in mind if I have any questions and like keep in touch with us. So it's, I think, yes, like even now with COVID going on, there's been a lot of negatives. Having a rare disease, of course, there are negatives but there's also these experiences I've been given the opportunity to have that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I definitely want to continue having them going forward. I think ideally in the future, I do want to get more involved with rare disease advocacy. I'm really just beginning that, but obviously I'm going to continue with environmental advocacy as well. And as long as I can get a job where I have good health care, I will do that.
0: Incredibly inspiring. The, the, the fact that you just were willing to share that on the air with all of our listeners was just incredibly generous of you. The moment of truth is when you're so comfortable owning your story, not just telling your story, that you inspire and not create pity. And that is exactly what it sounds like happened No one wants to be pitied. And I'll also comment that we're in 2020 right now. And as weird as this year is, people are way more woke to the empathy of living with a rare disease than they were 10, 15 years ago. Cancer was considered a whisper campaign in the 90s. You couldn't even say the word. He's got the C was kind of how it was spoken about in culture. I love the fact that you were given such a warm reception from your own community and congratulations on being on the student government. That takes a level of chutzpah (laughs) and moxie. I had, I had no interest in doing that. I was terrified of being on stage back then, but that's Um, a lot. And it just really does show maturity and leadership at such a young age. I, I do want to transition to this notion of you know, you, you were already out of the gate caring about the environment. You know, cause, mm-hmm. you know cause climate change is a hoax, clearly. But yeah. you are a part of the next generation, literally the next generation that we hope will clean up the mess of this planet over the next 30 years. Remember, 30 is just a number. I'm going to keep, that's our hashtag today. 30 is just a number. I love your passion. I love your vim. What is the one thing that you would like to tell other teenagers and single digit kids that walk into the rare disease space that you wished you would have heard when you found out you were diagnosed at 13 and 16?
1: Well, um, that's a big one.
0: There are no small questions here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think the biggest thing I want them to know is that they're not alone in this. There are people that relate that they can and should reach out to when they find them and that, It definitely is scary to get that diagnosis. But even in those moments of your life where it feels like time is at a standstill and you're stuck in this one bad moment, it will eventually progress forward and you'll still be able to do great things with your life.
0: Sarah Hill, aspiring eco warrior. (laughs) Gen X, take over the world. -er. I'm in awe. I'm inspired. Our listeners are proud of you. Thank you so much for sharing your story here on Nordpod.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That's all for today. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Nordpod is a product of the National Organization for Rare Disorders and Offscript Media. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Leslie Nordstrom. Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Karen Lee is our production manager. Valerie Don Francesco is our marketing manager. Darren Tun is our production intern. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Matthew Zachary and the post-production team at OffScript Media. Our theme music is by the Salvatones. Learn more about the music of the Salvatones at salvatones.org. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make guest recommendations. For more information,
1: visit NordPod.org.